1: We're back. T.A. Mahoney Tales from the Dark Side podcast. We got a special one today. We brought him back for the second time. We've probably been doing this, I'm thinking about eight months now, and I'm starting to double up on people that really I need four or five of them for this guy. But Captain Jerry Williams joined us today. What you up to, Jerry? Nothing too much, Mike. I really appreciate you get the opportunity
0: to talk to you throw out a few bones for the hungry dogs that'll make it
1: easier on That's them right. to catch them fish. That's right. And you know what, Jerry, it's springtime, Tampa Bay. Some of the best time of year, at least when all the uh, the other guys can show them big pictures of snook. But we all get to catch big fish this time of year. It's probably about everybody's favorite, wouldn't you think? Yep, May
0: is just like, it's even better than April, June, March, whatever. In March, I used to catch a lot of big sow trout, a lot of them up there.
1: You know what, that was one thing when I used to fish with you quite a bit, we never really got on trout. Was there a reason for that? You didn't want to take me to the hole, did no, you? No, I did not, and, and I won't. <laughs> you still won't even talk about it and tell me I'll go there without you, huh?
0: Now if my, hey, if my buddy Hartley hears about this right here, I'm up the creek up and the, he's got the paddle.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's watching too, you know, that is one of the things, Jerry, that I don't, I don't remember doing a lot with you was trout fishing, but one of the times we went, it was springtime in uh, the mouth of Palm River. Yeah. On all, that old dock over there on the south side of the river, right towards the mouth, and yep. those trout were up in there on those stubs coming up. That's You're, the
0: old railroad ties, Mike, the ones they didn't take up. Take across from the river, right? And they just dumped them right there in that hole. Yeah. That, that hole's 15, 16 foot. Used to be anyway.
1: Yeah, and we were using mirror lure. You know, earlier today we were talking about tuning a mirror lure. And what do you mean by tuning one? Well, all your hooks
0: have to be parallel to each other, and you can't have that back back set of hooks cockeyed off to the left or right. It's gotta be like dead center. If you want that lure to
1: do what it's supposed to do, it takes less effort. Yeah, and even on those uh, smaller lures, you got like two different areas where the hooks are, but also that guide coming off the nose that you're tying to. Yeah,
0: a lot of people don't, they get all excited when they get one, bring it back, or lose it on the way back. Look at that front eyelet and that back eyelet on that mirror lure. And I usually throw a 7M21 or 7M23. I like the silver, the 7M silver one, it's very good. Some people like the gold. I hadn't had no luck with the gold because I have confidence over here. Black and silver, right? Yeah, I like that black and silver, that 23 color, tannic acid, you can't go wrong up in these rivers, Bullfrog Creek,
1: wherever. Yeah, and, and Jerry, his uh, specialty was really from, We, I went with you way down south. Of course, we cobia fished, went all the way to Skyway, but you really focused on, I'd say Simmons Park to the north on the east side of the bay. Yep. And you could make a day of it over there, fishing that flat on Simmons Park, come back up into the kitchen and just work your way back down to downtown.
0: You know, a lot of time, Mike, when me and you went fishing, We'll go in there and plug out 100, 200, 300 yards of a shoreline till we found them fish. That's right. And that's a lot of work, believe it or not. It's fun, but to be persistent and
1: consistent, you got to do it right. Yeah, it takes, uh, that's one thing I learned was patience. When you go into a flat, if you caught them yesterday off the center of that flat, off the point, well, you think to yourself, oh, maybe I'll just run straight up in there, straight to that point. And it doesn't always work that way. You may run them over before you get there. I know what we call High Pine Bay, which is south of Pendola Point on the east side, that whole flat there before you get to the Alify, gets super skinny in there, but lots of fish like hanging out over there. Um, one of the things I've noticed there, Jerry, is when people around the bay start talking about The redfish have kind of disappeared. It seems like that area over there, they must come there that time of year. You know, whether it's, uh, I know I caught them in August there, September, kind of right before the fall. And it seems like it's pretty good over there. Yeah,
0: like even December and January, that flat up in front of Gournier there, I'd see two and 300. I just anchor up, let that tide start coming back if can you just watch them big pods roll in yeah then they'd go back inside and they'd go up to 41 bridge just patience
1: you know one of the things that impressed me about jerry you talk about tuning lures um he would always spend time out there whether he was out there with a client or by himself just kind of testing it but one of the things i want you to talk about is how you used to put those lures in boiling water and kind of I'd call them deform them. They kind of blow them out some and that kind of thing. Did you have any success doing that?
0: Yeah, I caught several fish on on those plugs right there. And it made Eric wake up because the the buoyancy on that plug, the bigger around, little stubby, the shallower it'll float. You can throw that plug in four, five, three inches, whatever.
1: Once you blow it up like that? Yeah. How long would you leave them in there?
0: I was holding on to it with my fingers. Get the water boiling first, Yeah. then you could just watch it swell up around where that glue Did it was. pretty
1: even there?
0: Yeah, Oh, yeah. unbelievable. Then yeah. after I did that, then I had to go over and get the right hooks to balance that lure out. It's like mirror lures. You ever been at mirror lures over there? No, L&S. no. Eric, I wish he'd have took you over there. They got these big machines full of clear,
1: plastic bubble uh like clear plastic, plastic balls, balls. Yeah. yeah unbelievable stuff and that's how they're made they just melt those down melt it
0: down and then it goes through another chamber i can't really tell the truth about it i've seen a little bit of it i was more interested in getting some plugs than i was you're getting that, that free stuff, stuff. you were no, like that I, ri- not me i earned it <laughs> yeah.
1: you're like i'm captain jerry where's my free where's my goodie bag
0: yeah eric Bosnick, i tell you what him against the Watts, that's the one you need yeah, to watch. Well, out. Yeah, Watts been
1: talking a little bit of trash lately. I'm going to have to get <laughs> him out there. I was telling Jerry, I'm gonna, y'all keep this a secret because what I'm going to do to Brian, we're going to go out there and probably have some little, you know, filming <laughs> thing where we're going to film each other. And if he starts counting fish right away, you know what I'm going to do, Jerry? but right. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat right now. You think you can beat me in my boat? It's three to one. You're counting. I'm going to pick you up in about six hours. Yeah.
0: Then I'm going to get a rubber raft and out bass fish you.
1: That's right. Out bass fish I'm looking forward to that one. I'd like to get you on that one, Jerry. It's been
0: years, but it's similar. Salt, fresh same thing, really. Yeah,
1: just have a good time. Well, I always say that I think when they graduate (laughs) freshwater, they get into saltwater. That's usually the way I looked at it. But you know what it is, too. It's where y'all, wherever you grew up. You know, I grew up in Brandon, so I did quite a bit of freshwater fishing when I was a kid, just because that was the only thing available during the week. And you know, whether it was a pond in a cow pasture or a pond at the end of the road, you know, that's where we went to. And of course, in the summers and going with my dad on weekends, we'd get out there in the salt water and have a good time. But to get your fix as a little kid, when you can't drive them ponds, they did a pretty good job back in the You're day. You're
0: not kidding. Not yeah. kidding. A lot of them was wa half waist deep, three quarter waist deep, man. You couldn't go wrong on that. Yeah. Up huh. there in Dade City back in the later part of the 70s, I believe, had a drought up there Denlinger Lake, all the way back over to, uh, I can't think of this. I knew I, I had this on my mind before.
1: It ain't no problem with the, the names of them, but you'd fish them all as a kid?
0: Yep, I had a 14-foot cane pole, dig the worms out in the back of the house and go. And once I got my spinning reel, came on them.
1: It was over for them. <laughs> I know one of my favorite times was... Uh, Fishing with Matt, my manager here at the store, and we'd get uh, basically a pound of bacon and little pinfish hooks, and we go brim fishing out there, and we'd use that whole pound of bacon on a Saturday Cut or Sunday. Cut little squares out. <laughs> uh, I, I remember riding the bike with the stringer full of fish, dragging the street all the way home. Of course, that was when I realized once you keep all of them out of the pond, there ain't going to be no more to catch. So we had to switch up and go to a different pond. Yeah, it used to be
0: from Evan's... Evans juice plant out there off of three oh one, but it'd go back in there to Nikolai Woods and all the way down it budded into Denlinger Lake and that was the last lake right there at the time back in the early sixties. Might have been fifty eight, nine, but it's all in that category. And one year everything just dried up. The aquifer just about was completely gone. Right. Did it
1: take a while to get back?
0: Oh, did it? That was a, that was about a four-mile ride from my bike. But those was good-eating fish, too. Railroad cupboards, you could pull off the road there with a the cane pole. Once we had all the rain and stuff, and that water come gushing through there, and it's just like one right after the other.
1: Yeah, y'all hear him now, one after another. <laughs> but when he was a guide, he was wanting you to put them back, <laughs> you know, catch and release. What happened to you, Jerry? used to be a meat fisherman, then you turned into naming them. You used to think that downtown was yours. Boy, you'd hate to see Mahoney come blasting through there, huh? Where oh, is yeah. he going? He's
0: taking me for a ride
1: right now, but I got a surprise. Yeah, there you go. We, uh, I'd see Jerry quite a bit coming in, and we were heading out. We fished a lot of nights in there. I really liked... Uh, Fishing for Big Snook down there in the port at night, it's kind of hard to beat. You could go down there and it's nothing but structure. They gotta be on every single piece out there. And you know, the convention center there, all those old docks that went along there was probably some of the best. Uh, I've told people before and you know, they kind of disbelieve it, but we used to go down there with those feeder mice. We'd go to the pet store and get mice, you feed your python, so it's not like, what's the difference between a python and a snook? Yeah, And you'd hook that little mouse on and throw him up underneath them docks, and let me tell you something, it was better than any greenback or mirror lure (laughs) or snatch hook, or even better than a cast net. I mean, they would fight over that thing. You know, there's still a lot
0: of gold coins up there in front of Harbor Island. Oh yeah, down in the water? Yeah, years ago, them ships used to come up there to unload them people that was coming into America. Tommy said, you know, if you can go down there, mahogany and teak wood
1: and docks was made of. Yeah, I bet it was awesome. That's where the old fort was, and that's what I tell people about, you know, in our industry here, being in the marine business, whether you're a fishing guide or a retail store, even a hotel, you know, you're in the marine business in this area. It's a maritime city and once you get away from that you're not doing the city any good you know but having the port here as big as we are in port manatee i believe it'll stay that way yeah you know i enjoy fishing them old docks down there one good thing about downtown is when it's windy there's always a place to hide i mean you don't have to run far um i remember coming across that river a few times wanting to get to that other side there and And once you get in, it pretty much works out, and you can kind of sneak back in there. I don't know how much uh, they let you go back in there now. I think some of the area's open, but some of that area we used to fish, I think they'll run you out of there. Where's that now? Like downtown and the port here and the power plant right there downtown? East side. East side. Is east side okay? Yeah, east side,
0: that don't belong to me. That belongs to the Port Authority. <laughs> yeah,
1: and they'll let you know that if you're in the wrong spot. Very they? quick, yeah. very quick. Yeah, they uh, they pretty much look out for our port and run it and make sure everything's good down there, so you got to listen to them. But all that area behind Harbor Island, back over into the, by International Ship and all that and back up, that's the backside of Harbor Island. Just some excellent fishing back there. It's kind of hit or miss. You know,
0: I hear a lot of people, Mike, say i won't fish up there this that the fish you go in there day after day and pick one up here pick one up there come out four six eight ten fish in a morning time yeah you know there's
1: plenty of good fishing around there i mean we used to go over there by me and you'd run that edge almost all the way to palm river snook fishing all that rock and all that stuff that's laid up down there and just work your way all the way down there. And we'd always pick fish up or at least miss fish.
0: Yeah. I would.
1: Snapper fishing good, too.
0: Yeah. It's, but real- it's got to be on the strike zone. It can't be four foot out here now. It's got to be right up here in front of his lip.
1: Believe me. Yeah, that's Jerry. He'll tell you about it, too. I'll try to beat him to the spot. See? When you fish with Jerry, you got two guys on the bow of the boat and you think the fair way to do it would be to run the boat straight to the point that you're going to fish. But what Jerry would do is he'd push you out to the outside. <laughs> and that way the first cast was him. Yeah. He was getting that first one. Of course, I was going all the way across and making him spin the boat. And <laughs> we'd have a good time. But we caught plenty of fish down there. It's a great area to fish. I still love fishing it. You uh, know,
0: it's still all them fish good eating too. Out of all those years, 20 something years down there that I fished, had one red fish with a little bitty three-eighths tumor in him, right up on his backbone. Then one fish, maybe 17 inch uh, snook that I caught. And I caught him up there, Hillsborough River, right by a road discharge. What, what do you call
1: them? Yeah, I don't know where it dumps out all the water into the bay. You got to get something. I'm surprised there wasn't a hypodermic needle stuck in his eye from the hospital back then. They didn't, they didn't really care about where that stuff went back in the day, did they? No, Jerry? he was looking at that plug. Yeah. He didn't know what hit him. Well, Jerry, I appreciate you coming out today. We got a couple segments to do here. We're going to take us a little break, and we'll be right back. We're back, T.A. Mahoney tales from the dark side with my weirdo buddy, Captain J. Captain J, what you say, buddy? Hey. What do you have to
0: say, Captain Michael? <laughs> you you, you want to pick on me, bro? I put something on you that Ajax can't take off no he, way. You know,
1: he always tells me that, but it seems like the last few times. We ain't been out there in, what, oh, well over a year? You no, know,
0: it's been over two years. Over February two- was two years, bro, just because you got one up on me, and that was the only that hey, fish that yeah, was caught that morning,
1: and it wasn't fair. You. <laughs> What did I catch sitting in the mo- boat broke down? You, you, you
0: act like some little cracker done caught him a, a damn big fish as a two-inch sardine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. I got one up on him, and I said, you know what? Might as well quit while you're ahead. It's like being at the casino. Yeah, now, let me give you all a
0: tip right here and see if it makes any sense to you or whatever. We're going to be casting a seven-foot spinning rod one of them new bull bays you know maybe we'll see if it snap into or just how good it is but each time you cast keep the bait from the tip the same because if you don't your cast are not coordinated alike
1: now do you change that if if it's live bait versus artificial
0: yes because because i throw spinning gear different completely from a bait caster because with a bait caster when you bring it back in you bring it within an inch of the tip rear back there and fling her again it's all in your back cast on a bait that's caster because you get it, leave it hang out about a foot foot and a half then that way once you whip that thing down there you'll put it right there where you want it
1: but it's, if you leave it two foot you've been throwing it one foot it's going to go somewhere that's else what, that's
0: what i'm saying see see now a lot of people don't do that I remember when we was at the fairgrounds, I was talking with a couple of people, and they was asking me about that. And then when you had Appreciation Day coming up, yeah, and people, both of them come over and said, Man, I wish I'd have been casting like that in my life. Yeah. It's just a, a little bitty tip, Mike. made it feel good. It didn't. It's just a lot
1: of fun to and it works. introduce it. Yeah teach somebody something you know something like i was thinking about when you were talking when i offshore fish grouper fish and you're reeling up the line you do the same thing you want that line about the same length as the rod yeah so when you lift it's kind of like that calcutta pole so when you lift it straight up where does it come straight to you you're not reaching for it having to set the rod down to bait your hook and it's banging all over the boat
0: I know I see these bass guys, the way they fish and throw the rod down on there and this they and that. They're all
1: there. They're a little slow. That's why they're <laughs> bass fishermen. That's exactly why they're, you know, they're short bus. That's what that is. That's the bass fishermen. But, yeah, yeah they, you know, some of them are pretty good. But, boy, do they got a bunch of rods. Whoa! my goodness and laying up there on the deck that's what worries me about stumbling hitting a stump and going backwards in the trolling motor and all of a sudden stepping on eight rods i know i have to ask my cousin about that i know his is loaded up with them rods and they grab them quick they don't want to retie that's the whole theory and you know what jerry you think about it Back when I was fishing with you, one of the things I learned from you is you never had just one rod for what you were doing. Uh, that bait caster, maybe you would have one of those, but you always had several of the same rods. so if you break off, if you wanna change something, you may have two different colors on that rod, boom. You can just grab the other one and start casting. Just
0: like a baseball pitcher, I got tuned in with a couple of rods I had, and that's the way it was. I don't don't like using two or three different rods because every time you got to
1: refocus again. I'll tell you all a little trick I did to Jerry, and I think I mentioned it last time. When somebody like Jerry, the way he's explaining things, he is really into detail. And when he starts fishing, I can promise you this, I fished with him. He doesn't miss the spot. Very few times do you miss the spot. I think about Cobia. He brings that... Popping cork to a certain spot that bait is so far down below it every cast the popping cork hits the float it goes all the way around three quarters of the float we go on to the next buoy so it's kind of hard when you're even though i try to cast twice as much as jerry that's my philosophy if i can get two cast out to his one i'm going to catch more fish it's just a numbers game yeah well, sometimes that don't work either. So now I got to resort to messing with the bait. And Jerry had him a bait buster, DOA bait buster, <laughs> and he had a lead. They get What
0: do they give you, leads to
1: shove up inside of it?
0: Quarter, quarter ounce for in the front to get the
1: balance in. Where pop it pop just right. Well, I took that weight when Jerry wasn't looking out of that <laughs> bait because he kept switching up on two different colors. And he didn't bring no extras, so don't ask him for one after he catches five or six You're on fish. your
0: own, bro, and you get on with my boat.
1: Yeah. I usually have him bring lunch, and I figured, well, I'll eat some of yours, and then we end up hungry that day. We
0: have a bunch of good good times, Mike, i tell you that. But it's enjoyable, even with you, for these people to call you and talk to you and just find out a little bit of stuff.
1: I'll tell them everything I know.
0: I, I will too and I tell them don't blame me if you don't catch
1: no fish. <laughs> yeah. You didn't catch any fish yesterday where I told you to go. Well, I'd go back there cuz they're there and they're going to bite at I some said, point, right? Don't be
0: messing with me today. I'll be way over here.
1: <laughs> yeah. That uh, I'll tell you, you know, a lot of people you were talking about, they come into this east side of the bay in Tampa Bay and they don't like it cuz they can't see the bottom and there is some some bad rocks and concrete and <laughs> Tugboat tires. Oh, big tires for all the <laughs> machinery that them tugboats lose. And what is all that over there at Ballast Point by the pier? I know we used to, that was I forget, treacherous. I forget
0: what type of coral it is, but it, they used to bring it up the bay for the ballast in the, in the wood chips. And drop them there? Drop them. And they, the, the feds had them stop. You could take and cut that thing with that, that blade. Boy, beautiful colors of uh, uh, Flint, all oh, just beautiful. They right? did, they about messed the whole darn thing up over at Ballast Point because it used to go way out.
1: Yeah, and that's right on the edge, too. Coming, there's spots out there that I think are at least a hundred yards off that have some good rocks there. You can oh, see, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, if you've never been over there and you want to explore that area, I suggest super low tide on the trolling motor.
0: That's it, one of these. Days where there's nobody else out there or whatever—that's
1: special prime time fishing right there. I think those days are hard to find nowadays, Jerry. And <laughs> the mean, wind. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're always going to see somebody out there. That wind's been—I been, wish you'd give us a little bit of a break to get offshore. I'm hoping this week maybe, and uh, I know I'm filming some this week up at the Chaz where we can keep some redfish.
0: Trout and snook. Yeah, they're supposed to be maybe opening it in another next week or two, they say. Yeah, what
1: do you think about that spill they had down there, Jerry? That's ridiculous greed.
0: You see any of it? But look what they did to Horizon out there in the Gulf. They had a $12 billion bond on them. Why do these people get away with not having such a big bond? Responsibility, right. Then if it blows up like it did... You got the money and just feed it to it to stop it that's right
1: i agree with you and everybody's
0: kind of hushed up right now about it
1: but like let me ask you something jerry you you've been fishing this side of the bay a long time and i know a lot of people got upset and i'm upset and it ain't no good for the water that spill out there but go back 40 years 50 years you know which is some of the history that you have here how many spills have you seen a lot more than one. Yeah, one uh, down here at Gordon-Yay. Yep. And
0: one morning I went in to Fish High, Pine Bay, and it wasn't nothing but solid milk water from the, the mouth of that mound up there all the way back up towards uh, the point up there of uh, Port Sutton. Right. It was all milk. They wasn't nothing. Nothing flipping, nothing moving, whatever. It I called the Marine Patrol up. They they dump in line and that's that's supposed to not hurt that lime, I should say. It took a couple weeks for them fish to come back in there. They did say it, it doesn't hurt. BS.
1: Did it clear it up? Yeah, after
0: after a, a couple, couple of weeks, weeks of flushing yeah. out
1: probably just went somewhere else. I know that area right there in the last ten years has really come back good with the grass. Um I don't know if they want to tell you it's not them or whatever else, but it's right there by that alifi and it ended up yep. not having grass for so many years. When well, me and you used to fish it, we fished more dark bottom than we did the grass patches, because there really wasn't no grass patches. Nope. But back in 86, Peter Clark with
0: Baylife, yep. they put all that weed and grass and stuff up and down the shore, all That's the way right. down past Whiskey Stump. Yeah, and it's there. Yep, I've seen it, it matted in, they got lucky.
1: Yeah, and that's what's good about it. They uh, <coughs> That me. whole area has just been hammered though, is what I mean, you know. There's been more than one spill in there and we're just really fortunate being in an estuary, it really hadn't hung us out to dry. I know even the port, a lot of people think, oh, it's dirty down there and stuff, but I can tell you, I've caught coral in the port. So it tells me if coral's living in there, that water's cleaner than you think. I think a lot of times that dirty water coming out of there, the fresh water and some of the runoff we get from this downtown area. Yeah. That's what's making it more the the brown water, but it's getting on out of there, you know what I mean? It's, yeah,
0: they say a lot of people are fishing around Bayshore now.
1: Yeah, a ton of fish on Bayshore. And you know yourself, this time of year, what shows up out there off Bayshore? Tarpon. You know, yep. as, as many tarpon as you guys go out there and catch at the Skyway and out on the beaches, and that stuff's fun, because it's kind of a different kind of fishing. But there's plenty of pods over there right off Bay Shore. You can drive down Bayshore and see them, see them roll, and it's probably, I would guess, about another month. They get over there about the same time they get at the bridges. You know, a lot of people think you have to go to the Skyway and all the beaches out there to catch those tarpon there's plenty of them that time of year up in Tampa Bay you'll catch them at Howard Franklin you'll catch them at Gandy um I know when were the big tournaments back in the day with Hank Dixon and you know Bill Miller used to fish them and they all used to uh Smokey Whiteside Colonnade I think all them guys would
0: yeah they'd cut them shad up and throw out a couple of coolers full but that, that was right in mckay
1: there. bay wasn't it
0: a lot of times off of bay shore and they done it right there in the mouth of mckay Kay bay and Ems. right at the mouth of palm river there's a lot of fish on up in the river right now they stay there year round yeah they
1: stay. and the one of the best spots there i know uh eric captain eric shapiro and this is probably going back 20 25 years ago had a tv show called left coast fishing yeah and he was in the middle of the summer in Palm River at the bend there by Maydale Drive. It, there's a hole there that drops down pretty yeah. deep. And he was using those bait buster mullet catching tarpon right there. Yeah. And I mean some big good ones, well over 100 pounds. Yeah. You never really targeted tarpon, No, did you? I didn't, man. I
0: just, I've called a couple uh, not into it. Terry, the, your little the, baby the best snoopy I,
1: rods up I, on it.
0: The best Time I ever had one afternoon I was at Ballast Point. I had a 70 M21. That's black back, silver side, white belly. That's the number right there. You always like that plug. Yeah. I've got a few (laughs) still. And I hooked that fish and he jumped fifteen times. The tarpon right over between.
1: You must have sharpened them hooks.
0: No, it got him up under the throat and he he didn't know what he had on him.
1: He just couldn't get or shake it. Could he was he? a
0: good 49 inch fish because I got him in the boat. And hell, I wouldn't throw a plug away with him on it anyway, and I just <laughs> cut him a little bit.
1: Y'all like, hear that? He cut that tarp, and everybody's going to be after <laughs> you now.
0: Oh, he's a bad boy. Huh?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you got Lord. your plug
1: back, didn't you? I'd
0: blame I blame right. I called Eric Bosnick and told him, hey, just what I did. That's but awesome. that that was some fun. What I did, I count 15
1: jumps on that fish. Yeah, that's awesome. And you caught him on a plug, and it was underneath his chin. Do you still count that as a caught fish? I caught or that as a winner. It?
0: That would have been a winner because I got him in the boat and everything. I was kind enough to let him go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Y'all hear this? I got some outlaw buddies. He was kind enough to let him go. Not just throw him up oh, on the Lord. bank, use him for shark Mark, see what?
0: <laughs> you in for a surprise if you take him fishing, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I enjoy fishing, that's for sure. Oh, you know, those fish, and, and I hear a lot of the stuff down in Boca Grande, and it just makes me think about it this time of year. You got the big battles between people, you know, the live baiters versus, you know, the artificial guys, and they're the trying jiggers. to say, but, you know, it's just like you said, Jerry, Jerry, you threw that mirror lure out there, you are working it. That tarpon attacked it. Just so happened you hooked it underneath the chin because he's so violent with his <laughs> thrashing. Doesn't mean you didn't catch it, no. you know what I mean? There ain't no difference in catching it. And if you want to say that every time, you know, if you want to really get down to ethics, what does it matter if you're sticking a hook through a big old thread fin and throwing it out there to trick the tarpon to eat this thread fin and think you're better off than somebody (laughs) who's throwing an artificial bait you are twisted if you think that you sound stupid matter of fact when i hear people say that and it's crazy because some of these some of these people, tarpon overrun their life. They think tarpon is the God and the, everything. They got a tarpon on their shoes and on their socks and on their underwear and their shirts. And they, they let their hair grow long and they don't shave. And I've been down in Boca 20 years. Well, so what? I heard that comment this week. oh, this, yeah. oh yeah, I've been fishing here 20 something years. Well, who cares how long you've been fishing there? Do you have any more right than I got to be there? Now I agree. You need right. to be courteous to the other fishermen. Fishermen is a good group of people. Um, but some of the things throughout the years has separated some of these people. And I can tell you this. You get on your high horse and think you're catching a thread fin out of an 80-year-old boat or you're catching a tarpon with a thread fin out of an 80-year-old boat, and you're sitting there drinking scotch in the past, and you're <laughs> better than me that's going to go up there with a jig and catch twice as many as you. We all let them go. And we all Shit. want them to live. So they ran them out of there, but you know, <laughs> you ain't gonna stop progression. You know, my family's been here for a long time, but it makes me, I have no more rights than anybody else. Jerry, if you want to fish, I want you to fish. And that's why I'm one of the reasons why I'm doing this show. I want to introduce you to the people that have taught me, Captain Jerry Williams, one of the best I've ever seen with a mirror it took me forever to get on the boat he wouldn't he'd just shake his head no he wasn't no you know it's hard he was hard tell him what i told you at the store i said i ain't taking you he told me straight up (laughs) i ain't taking you nowadays somebody start crying if you talk to them that way it motivated me He, he
0: likes me to come down here and beg him Oh, please, Mike, take me
1: fishing. The... <laughs> That's about what I did to you, was it? <laughs>
0: That's it, bud. But it don't matter. You got that fishing trip, didn't you? <laughs>
1: I got that first when I anchored it in. And then oh. when he wouldn't take me, I'd have my buddies go hunt him down and tell me where he was fishing. Oh, boy, Lord. he'd get wound up about that. Man, we've had some good times out there. Oh, I'm
0: telling you. You learn every time you go. If you don't learn, you're not paying attention,
1: right? That's right. I learned more from Jerry about that wind and tide. One of the, when you're over here on this east side of the bay, it's shallow everywhere in Tampa Bay. So you really have to be careful. Pinellas Point's going to be the same way. Out in front of Gandy's going to be the same way. Anywhere that land necks down and you got a flowing tide coming out and the wind's against it, it ain't good. I can tell well, you that. It stands up. And I fished a lot of McDill over there with Jerry and, uh, I know coming back, that was the main thing. It didn't matter about fish or nothing else. At two o'clock, we want to be coming back across this bay and he would have his day planned out, whatever the tide was, and we'd go hit something over on the east side instead of having to... Now, I do remember one time getting out of there late and that John Boat of yours was straight up and down for at least five miles. <laughs> it felt like it.
0: Oh man, that thing would just railroad you when you'd come down.
1: But just back off the throttle and bust a couple welds loose, and we were good. <laughs> Old CL it would be over there that week putting more stiffeners in there. I ain't never seen Jerry got a boat built, and he had to go to CL Matson with about another 200 feet of aluminum to get stiffeners put in it because Jerry put that thing to the test, huh? Oh, I did. That guy told me, I'll give you three gears.
0: Good. I'll see if it's going <laughs> to hold it. It didn't hold it, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: so you told him, I only need three
0: months, buddy. <laughs> when I when I had the one John boat, I'd got three of them. So Mike down there at Alify Marine, Kesky. Oh, yeah. Gave me a Milton Milton's phone number with Starcraft. So I called Milton and told him, you got to put some more ribs in these boats. So They're going to bust down. I'll bust the heck out of them, too. I had to get back, didn't I?
1: Yeah. And we got back. But boy, I tell you what, they, uh, one of the things, and anybody out there with a John boat that's kind of tricking it out, so to speak, with the jack plates and all that kind of stuff, and I still tell people this story today. Jerry had a, a jack plate on the back, aluminum jack plate on the back of an aluminum boat with an aluminum bracket motor bolted to it. And going through all that aluminum with different bolts, it never got a good ground. And I remember that day, it burned a hole. Electrolysis burned a hole in your boat, probably what, eighth of an inch? Yeah. In a matter of six, seven hours. And how we, if you remember how we corrected that, I made a ground wire. Come off that motor and on that plate. All the way to the transom, on the inside of the transom, and it stopped that electrolysis. I've had a few situations where that, just knowing that story had helped me out with helping customers here and how quick stuff can corrode on it. You're here to serve
0: and you know your business. That's why they come down here.
1: It works, I can tell you that. I'm a fisherman, it's like I tell people all the time, They. Ask me a question like about electronics and I'm not the smartest when it comes to electronics. I look at them and say, I'm the end user like you. (laughs) I don't know about all that stuff, but I know how to turn them on and I can zoom into that bottom lock and I can get us home on GPS, you know, and that's really all I figured out, but it's definitely helped with fishing with people like yourself and a lot of the other guys that have been around here. And, uh, you know, we used to fish at, downtown tournament down there and i know that was one of your favorites right there in your backyard and it kind of went away and the port has brought that out in the last couple years and yeah i've been supporting it it's not called the same thing but it basically is it's doing the same thing it's a charity in this local area and you know doing it with yeah. the port authority the so last time i did it i had jim talbert
0: he was the original general manager there and it He bought the ticket from me for a full day by himself. Caught seventeen redfish that that morning, that afternoon, twenty-seven, eight pounder. Brought him back to the dock, weighed him, this that, measured him, flipped him out there and let him go down. (laughs) And tied off to it. I was telling everybody, "What you got?" Yeah, it was fun. I had I, I had to poke a few ribs, you know. Oh, yeah.
1: You get in that winter circle. It's fun sometimes. Your buddies come up and just kind of driving into them, you know.
0: Ray Ballard did over there. He was athletic director. He had, uh, he caught trout one year, snook another year, then Jim Talbert.
1: On the redfish, you've gotten quite a few trophies out of that downtown. Yeah,
0: but what that and Jim got was a beautiful one. Yeah,
1: Marquette <laughs> used to run around there too. He's a, he was a tough one to beat. He'd oh, always be tucked up underneath the dock somewhere, trying to pull something out of there. Oh, and he yeah. did good at it. He was pretty good at that area. He ain't, wasn't. Ain't you don't be slow i'll tell you that no. first time we went uh sheephead fishing that's what you told me and boy I took me a while to get the hang of it first triple tail must have jerked it out of his mouth 10 times You kept saying two hits on a triple tail and i'm gonna tell you all that i know this you got a live bait throw it up triple tail hits it wait for the second bump first yep. one's killing him the second one he's eating it you're on guaranteed i that one over there, we were at that anchorage out in front of Davis Island. And, man, I must have missed him four or five times, so I couldn't stand it. First bump, I jerk. Jerry would say, you got to wait. Put another bait on. I'd put another bait on, do it again. It took about three or four times. I finally got him in the boat. Jerry said, we got to measure him. He looks close. I said, it don't matter. We're keeping him. That was my first one. He measured. He was, a, oh, he yeah, was an inch over. Yeah, he was a over. good peeper. Yeah. Now they're really whacking them out there pretty good. They're catching them all year now. I don't know why they don't let them spawn. Give good. them a couple of months
0: to spawn, that's all it's gonna take. But they'll wait till it gets so low down, this, that.
1: Yeah, I know that's one thing Jerry told me, the cobia, the reason why we've always targeted cobia and triple tail in the summertime is that's when they're coming in the bay to spawn. They circle them buoys and that's what they're doing. And if you were ever going to try to help that fishery out that's when you would shut it down a couple months right there solid take. grouper seasons open anyway I don't, you know it's, it's some of the toughest time right now to keep fish because nothing's open and that's what you hear people saying but we went on a trip down to the keys in a big boat jerry a uh, month ago three weeks ago or so and 11 different fish we could keep we caught and kept Y'all catch them trolling or drift, drifting back? Just bait? everything. Caught some on a reef at night with a light on, chumming. We caught some trolling. We caught some bottom fishing during the day. Any tiger shark? No, did you see that tiger shark that guy grabbed up the river? Boy, yeah. they ain't gonna be good with that one. <laughs> that last shark dragon didn't work out too good for them guys. I don't think this one is. Yeah, I've, uh, I've seen a tiger a few times. I've seen a 12 foot tiger. Eating our snapper up in Louisiana, and I'll tell you what, just looking at him gives you kind of chills. I know, I know, you know? man, it's that death sentence. You get your yeah. shakes on him, you know. Massive. You know, and I, I know there's bad karma with me because I, I I put some sharks to sleep, I can tell you that. <laughs> We've uh, Louisiana's got some of the worst, and the worst thing they ever did is stop people from keeping them because now nobody catches them, nobody keeps them. I'm not into to finnin, but you know, that's what was happening. So they shut down all those sharks. And uh, I think you're allowed one per boat now, but and there's going to be a reason why everybody's getting bit at the beach, cause nobody's catching sharks, you about know? 10, 12 footer take you down like yeah. a, like a little cork. We, uh, we were in Louisiana one time anchored up on this place called the lump. It's about 200 foot to 600 foot, a big salt lump. And we were chunking baits and about every other 50 pound, 100 pound yellowfin that came in, Hammerhead to come out from underneath the boat and just bite mm-hmm. him in half. So we, we we finished that problem. We let his buddies eat him, but <laughs> we, we took care of that problem for that day. But you know what, you're right back in it again, yep. you know? Um, they gotta do something. There's never a good time to not have management. You know what I mean? So stopping to kill something whether it's fish or animals when you just shut it off and a good example is goliath grouper we got a problem with them right now jerry they put no money into research to speak of the first two years of that lionfish i heard they spent more money than they have in 20 years on goliath just researching them and now we got issues where they're out there just hammering people's baits you can't catch nothing they deplete the reef you talk about something Putting a hurting on small fish. A
0: fish there, he'll go four foot and, oh, in hell. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's right. And the bigger they are, they get up I got, well over a thousand pounds or close to it. And that's got to eat some fish per day. So <sighs> there's uh, there's plenty of people out there doing some management for but They just don't know about it. Um, uh, you know,
0: I don't care for them. I got one many years ago. It was a 48 incher. Cleaned him, cut every bit of red dot, this, that he was white as your shirt there let like that gum mud what, what time
1: what, what year was this one you don't worry about here. <laughs> let's get into telling on ourselves uh, were they restricted then you know my dad i remember him telling a diver every one you get under a hundred pounds i'll take and as a kid they were legal for me when i was younger it was legal to take them, and this diver'd come by, and whenever he had a fifty pounder, sixty pounder, he'd give it to my dad. And he'd—I've eaten plenty of them, but I just can't tell you that I, I don't know if I necessarily think they're any good. Now, Tangles, Tangles tells me he's eaten some recently, but. Who knows? He said he ordered it at a restaurant. (laughs) I don't know if he ordered it at a restaurant. He said they just call it something different. Yeah,
0: sure tangles. (laughs) Yeah.
1: He's funny. He I I had him on the podcast, Jerry. He's one of the most watched guys I had. And you know, there's no script here, people. And on that TV show I'm doing, on this one I'm doing, there ain't no script. I didn't know what I was gonna come in here and talk to Jerry about, but I can tell you he's a good friend of mine. He knows a lot about fishing. I hope y'all learned something listening to this one, because this guy is truly the master in this area downtown. Taught me a lot. And the biggest thing is what he said earlier. Spend your time. Have patience. Persistence. Work that edge. You'll find those fish, won't you, Jerry? Yeah. I mean, how many times do we pull into McKay Bay? We've come underneath Causeway Bridge come in, made the turn, like towards the old drive-in, started there, and didn't stop throwing a lure till we got to the mouth of Palm River. And you know what? You'd get a handful of fish.
0: But nice quality fish most of the time. Yeah.
1: That was Jerry's first house over there off Scratcher's Point. He lived right (laughs) off the point there. When I had to go fishing with him, I'd just pull up and beep the boat horn, and he'd come walking out of the mangroves. I never saw no house. I don't know where he was sleeping in there, but that's where i picked him up at jerry i appreciate you coming out today hey, buddy
0: man it's been my pleasure i wish i would remember a little better in what i do
1: yeah that's all right
0: hey we're having a good time telling you the truth believe me okay this man right here if you need some help something on fishing and you're down here and you come to get a winch or something get with him and ask him about fishing he will be more than glad to help you
1: absolutely anything you want to know i'm here to help you out i enjoy it i've been in this area a long time and i've learned from guys like this appreciate it jerry thanks a lot buddy yep no problem thank you we'll see y'all next time